Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think at this point this is probably my favourite spy franchise because it is consistent in a way that none others really are. It's like there's a continuity to it, but up until maybe the very recent ones, you don't need to know anything. So I think it's very accessible. If you want your uh, Cold War Brian De Palma thriller, you've got one there. Mm -hmm. If you want some John Woo nonsense, you've got two. If you want something that's fast-paced but emotionally driven, you've got three. Everyone looks like they're having a great time. It's just great to see fun things every now and again. And then the fact that the guy who has essentially taken over it now is delivering the big bucks anyway, the big the big thrills, is like no mean thing. Hello, film fans. In our remote recording studio today, we have Daryl. Hello. Matt. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're here to talk about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Daryl and Matt. If you could please take, say hello and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Matt Brothers and I am spread across three podcasts. Uh, Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast, looking at the franchise from a non trek perspective. Sun Double Deep, the triple bill title word film podcast. <laughs> and our newest venture is Paul Dano OK, a filmography podcast looking at the actor Paul Franklin Dano to see if he really does get the shit kicked out of him in every film he chooses to be in. Have you had... Have you had um contact from his people have they served you with a ce- ce- you know cease and desist or i mean hopefully you? not yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try and reach out at a certain point when we're a bit further along the line because mm. you know we figure we, we we're pretty sure we're the only podcast focused on paul dano in existence so you know that's contractually obliged to come and talk to us really we need to know are you okay so we'll we'll get the answer one day <laughs> uh, Daryl, who are you who am i yeah i'm i'm daryl i'm i'm co-host on is paul dano okay uh, see what I did there, and also um, I'm one part of the trio, part of the the trident, the 
part of the tripod and the triptych <laughs> of Sudden Double Deep, the Triple Bill title podcast. And yeah, on that show, we watched three films linked by a word in the title. Um, and so, yeah, that's 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 me. That's me, guys. Well, let's talk about your... Um, want to obviously go into... Is Paul Dano okay? Dano okay? But let's talk Sudden Double Deep. That's another one you guys do together. How's that? We um, Helen and I have been on an episode for... You did. Was it only or was it you, strong? You, it was your pick. Your your only triple bill. Yeah, the only and, triple uh, bill. I was only I only the brave just came back onto Amazon Prime the other day, and I was just reminded at how much of a downer that ending was. And <laughs> thank you for thank you for that, Kobe. Good grief. I think is that all um, like your your eyes for your eyes only, or uh, you only live twice? I'm, oh that's not, yeah, oh, two bonds. I know. I love the fact that we just did neither. That's that's just <laughs> such a baller move. Um, but that was so much fun having you guys on for that. Um, because that was such an interesting pick of films. We had the wonderful Mark Dacascos Capoeira film. Um, Only the strong. Yeah, I was just shaking her head. I love this. This is great (laughs) podcasting. Such a weird film. (laughs) What was the third only film? We do this all the time. Is it Only Yesterday? Only only Yesterday. yesterday. Yes. Oh, that was the um, Ghibli Ghibli one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've still not done another since. the first Ghibli? No, our first Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. Say our first Ghibli. That was pre pre you yeah, yeah. becoming a full timer. So what the, the first first Ghibli on the pod that we've covered? Yeah, yeah. There's been sure. one since. No, this is mm. my point. Like we should we should do more. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Contrive a Ghibli. Contrive a Ghibli. Me too. Somehow. Well, there's we, there is a podcast, the Ghibli Attack, um, mm, and we were great. on the same WhatsApp group. So maybe can, you can engineer a guys. We need to do a Ghibli podcast. Can you pick a a three-way yeah, film yeah. that starts with Ponyo uh, or something like that. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've been pretty we've been pretty bad on the on the whole guest thing for Sun Double Deep this year. We've got a couple lined up, but yeah, I think that's comes comes season five. Mm. We we need to hit the ground running or six. I don't know what we're going to be on. I think it's like year five, season six. It's something. the way it works. I yeah, know. I don't know, Matthew. <laughs> it's been too long. Um, but yeah, that's been since twenty sixteen. So from July twenty sixteen, and yeah, it's uh it's been a ride. And now with is Paul Dano okay? We've we've mm-hmm. we kind of started earlier this year, and it's seasonal as well, which is a whole different kettle of fish from going on from like you know the weekly thing with Sun Double Deep to, you know, we we have this this wonderful period where we recorded everything, got everything done, scheduled it all. And then there's like a two-month yeah. break. So we had the, the, the joy of having like, now we can have a two-month break of just not worrying about it. And then mm. as soon as I got things up and running for season two, of course we record half the season in about three days. And then it's like, oh, we can have another month break now, actually. We need we can put a, take a foot off the, off the gas a bit. So, yeah, it's always good to be prepared. <laughs> so, I mean, is, is Paul Dan okay? Is, I mean, generally, that's a question. We, I mean, I, one of the films we've reviewed here is Prisoners and... He is not okay. <laughs> not okay in that film. Well, this, is, okay the, that this film. is the fun thing, tracking kind of the, the injuries, both physical and emotional turmoil he goes through. Um, I'm kind of collating everything in the letterbox list um, over there where I'm just cu- trying to kind of rank the films based on the amount of punishment he's in so far. Funnily enough, out of all season one, I think there's only been one film where he ends up dead. And that is, well, I won't say what it is, a bit of a spoiler, but it is one you've seen. Um, yeah. And then, but then there are other ones like Taking Woodstock. So Ang, Ang Lee Oddity, 2009's Taking Woodstock, he essentially cameos as a guy chilling in a, in a camper van with his girlfriend getting high. And he's very okay in that. I don't, very okay. I don't think you can beat that, to be honest. So <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> one, one of the things from um, 
I think for me, it's impossible to hear that without hearing the the glorious theme song. That yes, Daryl. It's it's a good ear, earworm, isn't it? It just yeah. sticks with you. That one. Where did the idea for that. Come and you realise you're singing it around the house and like <laughs> yes, you're singing it at work, you know, and just singing mm-hmm. it. And it's literally Blondie. <laughs> uh, and that's that's all it is, but just with with different lyrics. We've over got the top. a lot of season to sis letters. Yeah, I was going to say Debbie yeah, Harry. That, that, will, that will totally be it. But yeah, and, and then like the, 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 the lyrics are a wonderful back and forth between Matt and myself. And then Matt uh, lent me like, lent me his um, ukulele, mm-hmm. and I'd never played a ukulele before. But I was like, I need me, to <laughs> I need to learn this because. Yeah. Then, then, oh, then something very silly happened. Is I, I created another little interlude for the first episode, thinking I was just going to use that one interlude for every single episode. But then I created a second one as a bit of a joke. And then Matt and Jeanette, uh, wife and uh, son, double deep co-host, uh, was like, "Oh, so you're doing one for every episode then?" And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and uh, and that's me, me now having to plan the next eight for season yeah. two. Well, that's half the fun now. Like um, thinking, <laughs> what what song can we rework to to match the film we're we're talking about? Yeah, some of that season one they they don't really match up, but those that do, there are some there are some zingers there. It's great. It's lots lots of fun. I don't understand that the the the, um, the image is going to change every season as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, so we've got the wonderful Stephen Trumbull, a uh, previous guest on, I think, all of our shows, most likely. Yeah, we've had, we've had yep. David. You've had David? You've had Dave. He's yeah. not had the pleasure. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, we'll get, yeah, we'll get Steve, Steve on. Steve is uh, he's a fantastic artist as well as comedian um, and podcaster himself. And so, yeah, he, he designed the, the Spotlight logo first for me, Liam and Paul back in the day. And so we knew we wanted him to, to tackle this. And, yeah, we had the idea of... Um, kind of refreshing the main logo image every season to reflect a character Paul Dano plays from a film featured in that season. So season one is Okja Dano looking a bit beaten up in his white shirt. And uh, season two is going to be Swiss Army Man Dano, bearded and haggard and uh, in peril. And then we'll uh, mix it up for, yeah, seasons three and four and onwards and things. So we're trying to work out, you know, what's the big, what's the iconic pull down a character image from each season that we can rough up which is such a hilarious kind of concept when you think about it the, the most iconic data when he is as as actors go even as a character actor he's somebody who i would say is most notable for the fact that he's not all that notable he's mm. a great actor that supports other actors mm. within whatever he's in um he's not you know when when you're watching you know you know a lot of films that he's in he's not the main draw certainly and he's certainly not the main like the main focus really for most things even things like being flynn is really you know it's kind of considered a a robert de niro vehicle but he he's got the kind of enviable task of not leading the film so the shot the weight isn't on him but he gets the opportunity with the uh he's got the stellar performances he's got the standout performances in in films he gets to pick his projects his directors and he knows he knows people want him and he can give him what he wants but yeah you know tragically never um Academy Award nominated for anything yet. Because he doesn't yeah. act... He's not a big performance yeah. in anything. Yeah. We'll see the might anything. change that. I think Little Miss Sunshine was probably would have, would have been the closest, but there's so many people who got mm. just uh, nominated Acting for Acting their chops Big off. ensemble yeah. film. It yeah. felt like something like Love and Mercy, his uh, mm. Beach Boys um, biopic would have been one of them. But even that was, was shared with John Cusack playing the yeah. older version of the same character. So, you know, even that was kind of his big lead it's a bar piece playing a real person um you know period music film ticks all the boxes but um i don't quite know what that picked up awards are yet but certainly not 
anything too big, which is a, a real shame because it felt like that was the one. If you if you kind of Google interviews with him, the last time he was sort of invited on talk shows and things, you know, he's been on Kimmel and um, Fallon and all that. I think it was for the Love and Mercy sort of tour that he was last kind of talking. But then he went a bit quiet anyway because he, he last appeared in the film in Okja. And then since then, he directed Wildlife and has been on TV in something called Escape at Dunamora. Yeah, yeah. And now the Batman got pushed back to next year as well. So it feels like there's been a big gap, like there's a big Dano gap that we're filling now until he makes his return. Well, we're here to talk about other films. Um, we're talking about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is your choice, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us why you chose it? And then I'll get this. I'll get the countdown up and you've got to give us a synopsis in less then, than six like seconds. You, so I, uh, look... I chose this because it's my favourite of the Mission Impossible films, um, and and I just I dig it. But Jeanette and I actually we watched. We weren't going to do a full run through of of the franchise. I picked them all up in four K um, a couple months back, and so we did Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. Because I was like, they're they're the, they're the most recent ones. Let's just do them. And I hadn't mm. seen Fallout since the cinema, so mm. that was. That was shocking, um, and you know, nice, nice telly, nice speakers. Thought, yeah, yeah, let's let's do this. And then the opportunity came to to be to to be on this with you guys. Uh, and uh, I was going through my Netflix list and suddenly saw Ghost Protocol, which I'd literally only seen the week before, and was like, <laughs> I could literally watch this again right now. Um, I dig it. I do. So synopsis, go. So his organization disavowed him. With an untested team foisted upon him, IMF agent Ethan Hunt has to stop an extremist from starting a nuclear war. Very good. Isn't that always the... Isn't that always the... the <laughs> no. Synopsis? We were saying this, actually. This is the first one where it's been, like, anything, like, nuclear. The um, last one, Fallout was nuclear, wasn't it? Fallout was some fourth, kind of... Yeah, but again, this came out... This That was the sixth film. This is the fourth. Sure. Like, there's sure. a... Okay. But, you know, bef- prior to this, you know, the first film, it's a, it's a list of, you know, agents and their real names. The second film, it's a biological weapon. The third film, it's a different biological weapon. And this one, it's the threat of, of nuclear, mm. nuclear holocaust. Yes. I mean, um, I, this, I mean, the first thing I've got to say is... I like the series, but I can never... If someone said Ghost Protocol, I'd have to think long and hard about which one it is. And someone have to say, it's the Birds Khalifa one. I'm like, yes, okay, I know where you are. <laughs> um, Fallout, which one's that? Broken Leg, fine. Okay, I know where, <laughs> I know where <laughs> That's how... And also, also randomly, the Brad Bird one. I think the directors, somehow mm. I can hook in mm. with them more than the actual name of the... Yeah. Of the film, John like Wee one, one. Pigeons, number yeah. two. Yeah, yeah John... <laughs> I, th- I think that's the Metallica number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Metallica and Limp Bizkit. Oh, all up yeah. In I mean, it's face. the best one, yeah. isn't it? Really, I mean, <laughs> I mean, God. is it though? <laughs> Look, it's something that I was actually speaking to uh, a guy on Twitter, Danimal Control, uh, a couple of weeks ago, because Matt and I we did we did one and two back to back yes. on you know, a few weeks ago. Yep, last weekend. Yeah, actually, and we worked it? out that's a really these break down into good double bills, like one and two. Are so different but they're of a very much of an era and you can do them as a double and then we literally did three and four today before this recording mm. and that's kind of the um like a sort of the change in 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 uh, in helmsmanship with jj sort of writing the ship and taking things on and, and then, then producing from the yeah from and then obviously well. rogue nation and fallout and the macquarie so they kind of go well together mm. but yeah this has been a great few days mainlining these first four again because i hadn't seen them in quite a while and i do oh, love so, you them so much. thought you had to recap before you got to this one we just kind of felt just, like it really didn't we yeah 
Yeah, it was on we... Sky. I mean, it's, it's on, it was on Sky. My wife and I were going through them uh, recently because I hadn't hadn't rewatched them. Uh, I think I've maybe watched them all once. Uh, and that's literally that's in Mission Impossible, the first one, however many, 20 years ago when that first came out. Mm-hmm. So I literally hadn't seen it since then. Um, and they all, they all came out on Sky and I was like, yeah, actually I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And it's really the first, the first two are just a bit, first three are just a bit like, yeah, I mean, I can see why it's a thing because Tom Cruise is, and he's, you know, kind of fine. But then it is really, it's, it's this one where it's, it takes a step up. It's almost like Fast and Furious where the first three are a bit like, yeah. this is a bit of a, an okay-ish thing. And then is it Fast Five, but it takes an uptick and you're like, hold on, this is now interesting. Yeah, um, the first three are most definitely a franchise trying to find its feet and mm. kind of desperately as well. That first one was most certainly just like, I mean, the whole idea of getting Brian De Palma mm. on to do an espionage mm. film based on a 1960s and then 80s TV property seemed like with Tom Cruise, you know, at the, you know, like, you know, 90s cruiseness in there was an amazing thing. But then by the time we hit like that weird gulf in 2000 with the John Woo isms of two to then three which is six years later which is a completely different beast and very on that a very troubled production there um but then to to this one this is yeah you're absolutely right this was this is lighting that touch paper on mm. what the franchise would eventually become um uh, christopher Macquarie, halfway through production of ghost protocol got drafted in to basically rewrite the screenplay as they were going so it was like one. right yeah this one it's like okay. right the set pieces are done here this has been filmed already but we need to make this less convoluted and part of that was they absolutely scoured the villain role. They brought it right back. And this is why, you know, when a lot of people complain about, if they've got anything to play about, complain about this film, it's about the two-dimensional villain. Well, apparently that wasn't the case before and it was, like, way too confusing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I I just dig this film, guys. This is why I picked this. This is a nice slice. I'm just happy to be here. I mean, I, I think... One, the, I'm going to focus primarily on the on the last three Mission Impossible's um, because they're, they're just the most interesting. But the relationship, and I'm, I was going to ask about the relationship with Chris McQuarrie and how that came into place. So I didn't know that, and, and that makes sense when you see this. And famously, it's a series of set, set pieces, and they kind of put a tenuous line through them all. But they just have the set pieces they want to hit in each in each in each bit. Does that mean that? For me, when I was watching this time, I just kind of thought the in-betweeny bits were a bit like, I don't need to pay attention at all. I'm just waiting for the, I'm just waiting for the clock to tick down until the next set piece. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on those? Did you think there needs to be a story or are you just kind of enthralled by what Ethan and the guys are going to do next mm. on, on screen? I'm kind of really uh, in awe at how they do kind of make it feel like an actual film that's been planned and written. I mean, especially the later <laughs> ones where Macquarie is so open about being like, yeah, we just have these ideas and then stitch together. Like, mm. that shouldn't be how movies are made. And yet, it's quite literally how they made the Bond films from like the 60s, 70s into the right. 80s was the same concept. We've got these three tentpole action set pieces and then, right, what can we pilfer from the, the Ian Fleming novels that mm. kind of works with this? Yeah, and so like, yeah, being able to like the, the link up, especially in this one as well, of, of whatever story's going on, I think is really good. It must be really, really clever. And I think it's, I think, I think with this one, what you see is... Um, like a raising of the stakes as it goes on like this one is famously the one where like the tech lets them down at every opportunity everything mm. breaks uh oh, yeah, they're all on their, they're all on their own like the whole imf is gone and it's kind of thinking on your feet when everything is going wrong 
And I think it's it's just down to these storytelling uh, fundamentals of, you know, throwing in wrinkles. You know, it's it's but then storytelling, not and then. It's not just, you know, stuff happening. It's like every turn they have a plan, something goes wrong, how do they fix it? Like almost like relentlessly. And it's really great. And I think three kind of started that as well. I think three for me is very much a firm favourite because I think that kind of has not necessarily the same amount of stuff going wrong, but the same sense of propulsiveness and progression in things going badly anyway and i think three for me has the, easily the most the uh the highest emotional stakes everything is kind of about trying to save save julia and i think philip seymour hoffman's easily the most enigmatic villain you have and mm. i think he really brings out incredible performances here so i think going into ghost protocol i think the whole filmmaking gets like a lot a lot cleaner this is this is where the idea of the big stunt really kind of comes in because you've got like the big train stunt from the first one but this is before he's kind of doing everything for real um Three really is kind of the the big stunt is essentially Tom Cruise sprinting a lot, which is incredible to watch on its own. But outside of that, it's 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 what like the bridge attack and him getting thrown into a car. So it's all kind of quite small. Whereas here with the Burj Khalifa sequence, it's like you feel like this is the one that set the bar, especially with mm. this coming out in IMAX and doing big business there. And then I'd, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to know how much Macquarie had a hand in the Burj Khalifa stuff, whether he knew if I take on this series... I'm going to top myself like every time with a big thing, <laughs> whether, it's, whether it's hanging on the plane in Rogue Nation or, or you know, the, all the, the big helicopter chase and fallout, like this is where it really starts to step up. We've had um, recently Tom Cruise um, in Collateral uh, for, mm. for an episode. Mm. I think that's our only Tom Cruise film today, isn't it? Um, yes. And, but for me, this is where he becomes like an interesting actor, is, is, this, is, that, is this film. He's always been someone who's just a, a good... Lots of, I know lots and lots of people really love him to bits, but for me, it's just like, you know, Tom Cruise is a good-looking actor, whatever. <laughs> He's a last movie he, star, yeah. This is where he becomes, like, for me, an, a, a you know, super-duper A-list star, and... I don't think I, I care about. I've, I've not watched a Jack Reacher film, but every Mission Impossible film while he's in it, I'm going to be 100% running to the cinema to go and see it. I'm super excited about the next one. And I've watched lots of the behind the scenes where he's literally the, the guy on a motorbike jumping off a cliff in in Norway, and he kind of astonishes me as a as an odd person, but also <laughs> the person who's really drives a film forward, really drives everything, puts his heart and soul and everything mm-hmm. into that, but also is the one who's kind of self-effacing and who will shake the hands of everyone mm. um, he meets in, you know, on the red carpet because he's that, he's that kind of, he, he, there's both sides of him and it seems to, and it seems to tally. Um, but this Burj Khalifa thing, all reports say he did it and I'm sure he did it, but also I'm like, I don't see how he did it. This makes no sense. No one lets, <laughs> no one lets Lots you hang of, off the side of the Burj Khalifa. And... Lots of wires. Yeah, there's that famous photo of, Cruz sat at the very top of Burj Khalifa, like in bare feet, just smiling away. And even that, like outside of the film and what we see in the sequence, I'm just like, how are you, how are you up there just chilling? Like you're insane. This is mad. Because yeah, this this whole sequence, if we're you know if we're talking about it now, it's just it's it's one of my favourite kind of stunts of the series because it is so simple. It is just mm. you've got to climb a building, but the building is the biggest thing in the world, and you've got and breaking gloves and yeah, yeah. This is it. This is what I was saying about the escalation. Like everything keeps going up so one glove breaks and then he has to he's using the the glass cutter and that flies away and he falls and then he has to get in and he has to jump out and it's just improvising kind of solutions uh, on an insane scale and then that final jump swing and jump to the window is just yeah. heart in mouth <laughs> and i think what helps elevate it for me is, is is simon Pegg and the levity in there yeah as soon as he breaks through the glass and simon Pegg walks through the door it's like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh no, he comes in and says, "Oh, that was really difficult." And everyone's like, <laughs> "Whatever he's been doing." Dude. <laughs> I think Sam Pegg's been a real asset to the series because I think he mm. he brings just the right level of uh, comic relief, um, especially. And yeah, and especially especially in this one, yeah, where he's really promoted up. He's hilarious. Like the whole breaking into the Kremlin as well and him uh, sticking his head up into the camera and things and everything there. He's he's great. There's that's definite Brad Birdisms, that that whole sequence with the with them like dragging the thing across so the guard is getting the the, the, the specific perspective of the mm. room so they don't know mm. that they're behind the, the sheet. And that's such a such an odd little concept uh, but again there's so much comedy in that in the in the sneaky sneaky espionage thing in the kremlin of all places and then by the time we get to the burj khalifa that's that that's that's clearly like you know that was that's the attempt pole set piece and yeah you're right it's just every, not only is everything going wrong but then the mask making device and mm. we've had three films before this where everything's all about the masks yeah. <laughs> uh, like, okay, what they're gonna do with the mask yeah and so it's just like guess what guys you got no masks deal yeah. with it and, and and yeah like what what do they do and paul you know obviously simon pegg's character benji who's been so desperate to get into one of these masks you know, uh, and and yeah, no no mask for him in this film. Fake arm though. Fake arm though. That's <laughs> that's pretty cool. Again, seeing this back to back with three was was really interesting because again, you got the 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 JJ Abrams of three, which is like grabbing the audience by the wrists and then just racing them through uh, a narrative. You know, regardless, because uh, what? Because he might not be able to. He's not the best at telling a story. Pretty much, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think it helps that it's incredibly simple in that one. But yeah. I think the thing that kind of thing that sticks with me the most with this franchise is this is definitely this this uh, this Rolling Stone that is Tom Cruise gathering mm. pretty much no moss right up until till right up until the a, a team starts to properly form in this one he's had ving rames you know in one two and three and then cameos in this one luckily returns for for rogue nation and fallout but you know this is the one where oh you got the guy who was the the guy in the chair from three is now a field agent we've got simon Pegg in this crow cool wicked excellent and then Jeremy Renner, who is clearly supposed to be a big thing in the franchise that we kind of lose after Rogue <laughs> Nation. But you can tell there, there's an attempt now that it's not just the Ethan Hunt show. Mm. That there is, that, that it's, all, it's all about teamwork, guys. Um, and that's the thing I kind of dig about this is the fact that they're, they're not a fully amalgamated team. You know, the, the Burj Khalifa, with all of their best efforts, totally cocks up. Like the the they, they they actually screw up completely in the worst way possible, and again, having watched one, two, and three prior to this, this is the first one where you go like you get to that point halfway through, you go, oh shit, they've got to claw this back somehow. Now this is a path of redemption because the team now has to suddenly dust themselves down and work together, and it's like how are we going to stop this nutter from from? And it does really go right down to the wire, like this is it and it, yeah with well, the team element I think you were saying of course it goes down to the wire like, yeah Chris McCoy talks about it every single time but literally well, it has yeah. to go definitely well, that's one of the reasons why I think it's probably my favourite as well is that you kind of expect them to achieve all these things and it does surprise you in you know kind of like a mega franchise that's not like a regular occurrence so it is constantly surprising and no matter how many times um, you know I still 
like, is he going to make the jump? I mean, you kind of know, but also, like, it's so tense that your heart, even for me, watching it repeated times, mm. is just like, uh, it might not, because, you know, you've, you've <laughs> seen it before. And we've already said, I think this is just where it really started to be quite fun. And there's nothing worse than watching something and it's just kind of really dry. And it's just, it's so much fun and everyone looks like they're having a great time. And yeah, it's just great to see fun things every now and again. I think the that, that jump you say, because each time I see it, in my mind, it's like, oh yeah, he he runs out of his pipe, but it's fine. He swings himself around, lands in, but it's not. It's like he hits the he hits the frame, <laughs> Dong, and then yeah, they have to oh. go, like, scramble to grab him and pull him up there. Each time, I, I'm, I'm, I almost forget that, and that's that's something good about the storytelling. That it's like very very nearly yeah. good for out. And I think that's a testament to doing something for real as well. I think you know you see that exact same moment play out in a more obvious green screen or wire work thing, and you're in it, but you're not like in it in it and i think that's it because i think doing things for real on this scale is what just tricks people you know we know we're watching a movie but when uh, we can feel the the wind and the the mm. drop to the ground it's just like <gasps> and having like a, a you say fallible protagonist but having a protagonist that that takes knocks as well it's like john mcclain in the first die hard like, as opposed to the mm. last die hard yeah you know as opposed uh, to ethan hunt in mission impossible this 2. is exactly it yeah <laughs> so like basically mission impossible 2 is that same character where somebody's put the cheat codes on as mm. everything's all hans zimmer widdly widdly wanky guitar sounds he's riding bikes like just he's just an Jousting all bikes. the way around <laughs> rock climbing yeah Rock climbing, um, Doug Ray Scott in a denim suit. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a film and a half. You should have killed me. <laughs> I just like last, you know, last time I was I was lucky enough to come on to to this this podcast. I picked Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, mm. and again, I that I, I adore that. It's one of my favourite films, would, and for the part first of one. my choice. Sorry, I was going to say, Tom, would you prefer Thomas Alfredson or um, Brian De Palma? You know what, uh, Brian De Palma. Oh. You know, I'll keep Brian De Palma with his. But you know what, when we get to nine, <laughs> give me talk, I'd get that guy out of filmmaker jail. Yes, he made the Snowman. Oh. No, I'm not going to blame him entirely. There was clearly no, lots no. going on with There's that. There's lots of bullshit going on with that. Nonsense. But yeah, that guy has not directed like a, a feature film since. It's like, guys, come on, get, get him back in the game. And I think. You know what? Once Macquarie's got his fourth Mission Impossible out the way That's in a couple half years' the series time, by then, yeah. Um, give you know, strip it back. You know, make Tom Cruise the the man in the in the chair. You know, he's the man in charge. You know, get 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 some more of the espionage thing in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, you, Bring you, back some other people. You keep adding more yeah. on. There's obviously Jeremy Renner was clearly kind of sort of set up to mm. potentially be the replacement which was never ever ever going to happen i mean stop trying to <laughs> make thing him happen with born didn't it yeah that's what yeah that born legacy yeah but jeremy renner vehicle you kind of wonder like how long is Cruz going to carry on because he kind of looks about 25 in this so he does. <laughs> I, I, yeah, is he going to be like you know one. 80 and still doing these films i kind of think he might be a bit of like you know jackie chan going on there unless mm-hmm. they kill him first I mean, uh, as in the well, films. That would be his him. decision, wouldn't that it, will anyway? Be, so. yeah. That really was an impossible mission. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, because he'll be, what, he'll be 60 by the time that last one comes out. 
Yeah, I think you'll just go on and on, right? But yeah, I I hope they mix it up. You just have a cold open where he's running and then his knee just explodes. (laughs) And he's like, right, (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Oh, that's dark. But yeah, I really like the um, um the the team in this as well because I was saying like I I I still really like the team in three mm. of Maggie Q and John Rhys Myers, <laughs> not they... Davis. But they are very much just uh, ancillary characters who are just good at their job and doing yeah. their job. Whereas the guys here have a bit more invested in what's going on. Whereas everyone in three is just helping Ethan save his wife. But I like the team dynamic in three a bit more. I think maybe just because I really love the Vatican extraction sequence. Whereas actually the, the sort of equivalent here, the India party is also really cool. Um, especially with that guy. Uh, ah, what's his name? Amir the, um, Kapoor? Yes, who's just having a great time. He's so good. Flirting up a storm with Paul Patton. Well, Fair play. We haven't had Paul Patton since this one, have we? No. Nope. He disappears. Yep, same way that Maggie Q disappeared from three. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Helicopter Man from two. <laughs> Helicopter Man from two. If anyone cares. Yeah, whatever yeah. that Australian actor's name was. We're yeah. forgetting the, the, the first early casualty from the Mission Impossible, Emilio Estevez, uh, mm-hmm. in, in one. Yeah, that, that was first a shock person you see on screen in that film is Emilio mm. Estevez, and then he's he's gone within the first twenty five minutes, and you're like, "What? Hang on. This was the team, though. Like, what? Mm. This is the, this. I, mean, I, I can't imagine how that would have blown people away twenty five years ago. Watching this one, a similar kind of thing is that um, Josh Holloway's in it, and I remember watching it and thinking, "Oh yeah, this is going to be good. Quite fancy seeing him in in a bit of this." And then obviously, we don't even though he would have kind of been relatively biggish around that time coming off the back of loss. Mm. Well, yeah, I think, I think Josh, uh, Josh Holloway. Yeah. He never got the leading man status. I think he's very much deserves. I love him in lost. And as soon as he shows up in this, it feels like oh, he's that's Josh Holloway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Sawyer. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he shows up here, you think, yeah, I can actually like, if he was the Renner part, like mm-hmm. I'd love to see him carry on. Worked. But um, yeah, shot down very early on here. We were saying actually like watching three and four back to back and just going, right, well, if Maggie Q had carried over and it wasn't Paula Patton and you could have had the Jonathan Reese myers character being the Josh Holloway mm-hmm. character. So mm-hmm. him getting killed off would have given the Maggie Q like character the, away, the, yeah. the, 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 oh, I need to... Uh, but again, uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers was making Tudors, and Maggie Q was, mm. you know, absolutely slam dunking it with Nikita. However many seasons of that she made, so neither could return. Mm. And we were looking. Oh, were, they, at, were they asked to? Uh, yes, they, I believe they, that oh, was okay. the case. But mm. then the same thing happened with I think Paula Patton was she she just had uh, a baby around the time of this film, in fact, or Ghost Protocol, and so she she wasn't acting for for a couple of years around that. Which is, I think, why we didn't later then see her in mm. Rogue Nation, which is a terrible shame. Yeah, it's. It, I quite like the way that they do refresh the team in these, though, because, like, you know, there's at least for the the around this era, there is a good number of years between movies, so you can just imagine the IMF carries on. You know, not everyone stays in their job for many years anyway, and it's a dangerous line of work, so it makes sense that it could be all different. But yeah, Darren's right. It's a shame that there are certain relationships here that could have been tied to three a bit more, because we were also saying, like, Tom Wilkinson showing up as the boss here. Like, if that had been Lawrence Fishburne from three, and then he gets shot on the head straight away you'd be like oh my god you know all the old people are getting knocked <laughs> off but then but then maybe that would become a bit too predictable i guess you'd be like oh whoever's left over from the last one is which is kind of what ended up yeah spoiler i'm not gonna yeah so now now they're pulling back now there's some consistency because it was it was um 
uneven and irregular gaps between the first three. Mm. But now, I think once it goes post ball, they thought, actually, let's do this properly. Let's turn this into a franchise, and Cruise, you know? <laughs> yeah. and Cruise had stopped, like, faffing around with the other types of film and just thought, let's just do the big blockbusters because that's what mm. gets me notoriety. And then they can double down so they can bring back Rebecca Ferguson, they can bring back mm-hmm. Ring Rames and, and have the consistency there because, and I think that's what will help drive people forward. And it's the same kind of thing you have with um, like the Fast and Furious to, to lean on that again. Now yeah, yeah. you have the, a consistent team that comes back. Uh, whereas the first few was a different setup apart from Toretto and, um, and Paul, Walker. Chat. <laughs> Paul Walker. Paul <laughs> Walker. Should we have to the scores? Let's do it. Hello, folks. I'm Sam. And I'm Martin. And every week for the last five years, we've got together to talk about the musician Tom Waits. He's a gravelly voice singer that sounded like he doused his vocal cords in bourbon and set fire to them with a cigarette (laughs) and wrote such classic songs as Way Down in the Hall, Downtown Train, Jersey Girl. Uh, He's also the gravelly voiced actor from films such as The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Seven Psychopaths, both of which coincidentally are on Netflix and both of which Kobe and Helen have discussed here on Flixwatcher. So make sure you check those episodes out. And when you have a little bit of a taste for the magic that is Tom Waits, why not head over to songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice to listen to a little bit more about Tom Waits. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to our Flix Watcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And uh, we'll start with you, please, Dial, with the recommendability. I'm going to give this a five. I, I again, I straight up adore this. I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things. As the older I've gotten and watching these films, quite you know, quite often these are these are a good, uh, you know, th- these are these are great for that. But this is this is one of those ones that I, you know. I recommend these over even the Daniel Craig Bonds. I really do. I dig it, man. Like, yes, well, I love Casino Royale, but do, like, let's do the let's do the spy the spy franchises. Uh, dude, go for the it. The F word. Um, where does the Mission Impossible? Where do the Mission Impossible films um, rank for you? And also, to be honest, Fast and Furious are they almost spy films? Are they? They are. Yeah. Point, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're definitely headed that way. I think the older I've gotten, and I. The, the, the more I've kind of I've kind of waned from Bond, mm. um, I you know I'm I'm gonna probably be the the odd one out here, but I really wasn't overly enamoured by the Bond franchise. I really liked the first one, but then the gr- Green Grass Man that 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 juddery Cameron nonsense just it, it kind of doomed action films for about seven or eight years after that, and I hate it. Um, but yeah, like. Look, I will take your Tinker Tailors. I will take your Fast and Furiouses and your Missions Impossibilises. <laughs> um, yeah, just just any of that. But yeah, I I just these are the ones I come back to now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think at this point this is probably my favorite spy franchise because it is consistent in a way that 
none others really are. Which is a weird thing um, to say because it's the Mission Impossible yeah, franchise. Yeah, it's like there's a continuity to it, but up until maybe the very recent ones, you don't need to know anything. It is kind of standalone adventures, especially with the team being refreshed as often as it does, with just a few continuing threads. So I think it's very accessible. Well, they're think, like a bag of all sorts as well in yeah. that. Like, if you want your uh, Cold War Brian De Palma thriller, you've got one there. Mm-hmm. If you want some John Woo... Uh, nonsense you know you've you've got two if you yeah. you know if you want something that's fast paced but emotionally driven you've got three well, it's like know? it's i guess like the alien franchise to begin with, oh, as well, totally, it? with yeah. everyone coming from a different uh, auteur director yeah. um yeah and and then the fact that the guy who has essentially taken over it now is delivering the big bucks anyway the big the big thrills is like no mean thing like if someone who was doing my least favorite was the one with the keys to the franchise now that would be something else but you know for my money, outside Abrams. of number two, yeah, outside of two, like all of these are kind mm. of four star and up, pretty much. So what's, I think that's great. So what's saying to this? What, this what, what about yourself? Uh, well, I can't stand James Bond, so that's that franchise out the window. Um, <laughs> not even Casino Royale. Not really. Not even. Not even. Skyfall's really boring. No, I mean Mission Impossible. <laughs> I was quite late to the party on it. Um, on this one, I think it was probably maybe three whereas i actually i quite enjoy this and then i've since kind of gone back but there's just something about this and i think it's mainly to do with tom cruise and just kind of everything just kind of gets gets thrown in but you're just kind of in it and you just kind of forget Mm. that it's completely ridiculous and you just you know you, you everything exists in this world that they've created and because they've created it so well that you don't mind like you're just like well, of course you couldn't, like, drive a car straight headfirst and survive. <laughs> You're like, of course you can, because they've created that. And, yeah, I'm really excited to see what it's going to bring. And I think it's just, you have so much fun with them. And I think there's so many films mm. that just are so serious and just a bit, like, mm. oh, um, taking themselves too serious. And, then, yeah, I just really like this. So, But I did, I did quite like the Bourne films. But, again, they took it in a direction. It's like, I don't really want that. Um Whereas this has kind of gone from strength to strength. So what about what about Fast and Furious? I'm not really into that. I mean, we we had one of them, <laughs> and I've seen the first one. Yeah. So this this one to, this toes the line for you. Then this is the it's not the seriousness. It's, it's, it toes the line between seriousness and and. Silliness. I don't know. I just it's not. I don't know whether it's got like the star draw for me. Whereas Mission Impossible has got Cruise, and you know he's kind of. Got a bit weirder and a little bit like crazier with um, with age. So I'm just like, what's he going to do next? He just runs <laughs> better than anyone else. I think, uh, I mean, probably I put Fast and Furious in there to uh, as a bit of a cheat because I think for me it's, it's the Fast and Furious and and uh, and Mission Impossible. I'm, I'm not that enamoured by Bond. I like Casino Royale. I think Skyfall's fantastic. I used to watch them all as a kid. I couldn't mm. tell you the difference between each one of them, and it mystifies me when people. Do re- for your eyes only. You only twice Goldfinger. I mean, I don't know which one Goldfinger is, but people have a definite favourite. And I'm, for me, I'm just like, I mean, I'll watch them kind of sometimes, but for me, it's not uh, that interesting. But yeah, I think Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious <laughs> <laughs> as a espionage, the most inconspicuous spies in the entire world. <laughs> tie a safe to tie a safe to the back of a car and run it through Rio de Janeiro. Why not? I think it's just gonna, they're just fun, aren't they? They're just fun. Both those both those franchises. Fast and Furious is a bit too ridiculous, but they're just both fun. 
I could see the Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible 2 in the yeah. Fast and Furious <laughs> yeah. world, for sure. Faster than I can see Vin Diesel in Fallout or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Recommendability score, Matt. Uh, yeah, really high. I'll, I'll go for like a 4.7. Um, I think, you know, unless you're just completely against a good time um, or, or action films or, or, or stories <laughs> where things, good time? <laughs> or stories where things go increasingly wrong for people. I know that stresses some people out. It's weird. What do you want in a movie? Um, everything to go right? No, no, no. Um, they just want a screensaver for two hours. Yeah, yeah. It's like no peril. I think um, that is like a rising thing I, I see across film Twitter. People being like, oh, why it has to be all this antagonism? Can't people just get along? It's like, that's not a movie. Um, but yeah, this is... I mean, if you know, if you're into this stuff, you've most probably already seen this one. So I think it's uh, yeah, very high and definitely a high point of the franchise for sure. Helen, uh, I'm going to give this five. I just think it's great fun, and it's probably it's probably the one that I've I've seen the most. But I think you know, just book a day out of your weekend and maybe just like watch them all or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just I've already said it. It's really fun. I like it. Um, I found the, the the bit about the blue being glue and red being dead like the funniest thing ever, and I still think it's hilarious. And yeah, it's just great. It's the speed at which Simon Pegg just goes uh, dead. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. And you know, it's every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, Simon Pegg's done well, hasn't he? Bless him, he's done mm. well. Hanging out with crews all the time. Oh. There is that bit of pride, isn't there? That you're like, oh, I, I used to watch Space. I used to watch um, not the Fast Show. Big Train. Big Train. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, loved him from Big Train. Um, so it's great seeing someone he loved in this quirky comedy, both sets of quirky comedies, like mucking it with um, and stealing scenes from Tom Cruise. And my favourite is the, I mentioned it in passing before, but him and Jen- Jeremy Renner. Yeah. So I jump, yeah, and I'll catch you. <laughs> and that's, that, that, that interplay there is, is brilliant. Yeah. What don't you get? I'll catch you. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to 4.5. Repeat viewing score. Darrell. I mean, this, this is the second time I've watched this in the last, I think, six weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, this is crazy high for me. This this gets a five. I, I, I'm going all out for this one. I I could watch <laughs> this again tomorrow. Like, I, I, I no doubt that before the before the next week starts, I think we're probably going to have done... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> along. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're 100% going to do Rogue Nation and Fallout. Got complete the mission, Dan. And then, well, the next one comes out, what, like middle of next year 100 percent, i'll be watching all six of those in the lead up so within the space of 18 months i'll have seen this film three times easy you know what and now i might even watch it with the director's commentary as well just for shits and giggles seriously gonna do it Matt. uh rewatchability um yep. yeah really high again i'll say like a 4.8 i um i think this one really flows like it's got you know, when you kind of base your, your, a film around kind of set pieces and moments, it gives you a chance, I guess, to kind of really have a good pace and structure the stuff when you know we can start big. You've got like the big prison escape and then you have, um, yeah, like Burj Khalifa into like Sandstorm Chase, into Indian Party Ball Heist, into High Tech Car Park finale like so there's there's not many chances for it to kind of lose you which is really cool and i think that's what these films all do so well so um they're definitely ones you can watch again and again and even just you know the ones that if you catch on tv i think if you catch on tv during one of the big moments you'll probably just go through the rest so um and see it through uh so yeah high score there 
I, I wish I had that repeat viewing level that you guys have. Um, <laughs> it's a shame. This is the only one that's on Netflix at the moment, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The others were, like I said, three months ago, they were on Now TV, Stroke Sky. I think it's a shame that they aren't all on Netflix for me personally. Um, you know bank holiday weekend coming up um (laughs) i've seen it a few times i will watch it again but also i'm kind of like i do want to watch the other ones again now having not seen them in a fair time so i'm going to go a strong four for repeat viewing do wait just get a free trial on now tv and (laughs) like you say it's bank holiday weekend just master it then and then a cancel straight afterwards bank holiday monday mission impossible cancel it yeah yeah, that's your Mission Impossible if you choose to accept it. Slamming the unsubscribe button from Now TV just in time. <laughs> Cancel uh, free sorry, trial. What was your score? Four, was it, Helen? Yeah, I'll go for four. Uh, I think this is probably the most rewatchable one for me. Even um, Fallout and the other one, a bit less so. I think this just has the right charm. But I, I kind of miss Bing Reigns. Um, mm. I think each of them's got the, the, the charm. Like Henry Cavill in the last one's hilarious. As a as a piece, but um, this has, from what I remember, it has the most of the bits in it for me. Small screen score, interesting, Daryl. I was, you know, I do. I find this could be a bit of a cop out because, like, this is one I would not watch on my smartphone for sure. I mean, I wouldn't, like, you know, like seriously, I wouldn't. It's not really something I tend to do anyway. But like, I got, you know, got myself a nice TV. Because the start of lockdown one, literally one day into lockdown one, my old TV um, died. Jeanette and I walk around the house going, why can I smell burning? But nothing's on <laughs> oh. fire. And then the next day we went to turn on the telly and nothing. Like, no, 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 no bueno. Um, so, yeah, they just ordered a new telly from Argos thinking, yeah, I'll go and collect it from the Argos in town. Wrong Argos. Had to go all the way into like Barnet on foot. Two days into a lockdown, it's like Escape from New York, only it was North Finchley. Um, and yeah, so nice telly, nice speakers, and we, we had this on to a nice earth-shaking level today. So like in terms of small screen experience, and I know 30 minutes was shot on an IMAX, um, yeah, I'm all over this. I, I'm totally cool with it. I'm not sat in a cinema with somebody's cheesy feet and balls and mobile phone in my face, So uh, and I'm on my own sofa. Um, with so, my balls in so, your face so yeah I, I would I'd go four for this you know because I think there's still room for, for cinemas obviously Matt uh, yeah I think this is maybe more than most of them the one that's kind of made for IMAX thanks to Bush Cleaver so you know I've got to give it props for the big screen because when I saw Fallout that was at the IMAX I did see that for the first time it's I literally met. the day I met you it was I'd just come out of Mission Impossible there you go and it was oh, nuts because that, that, yeah, because <laughs> that fallout screening it unfortunately was also in 3D, which I thought we oh. were way beyond. So I had like, we're better than this. Yeah, IMAX 3D for Fallout just sort of blew my face off. The um, helicopter chase was crazy, but yeah. So this is obviously suited for big screen if you can, but um, yeah, get a good setup going, and it's a lot of fun. And I think once you're in, you know, repeat viewings with uh, beer and pizza and your mates and stuff, it's it's the perfect kind of Saturday night film, really. So yeah, I'll give it a four point three. Helen, uh, I'm going to go a bit lower. I'm going to give it three point five. I absolutely loved seeing this at the cinema. Right, really, really, really enjoyed the collective experience and mm. the collective gasp and the collective laughs and like out of kind of like the bigger films this will get me to the cinema and i'll make a a special effort 
I missed the last one and I was really annoyed with myself that I missed seeing it at the cinema <laughs> and I'm not going to make the same escape game. But I, it's, it's fine watching it on the TV, I guess, for like your repeat views. But watching it, I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. I really, really, really did enjoy watching it at the cinema for this one. And I want to get that feeling back. I, I think I'd quite like to do a Prince Charles mm. marathon. Oh, uh, yes. I'm not sure where I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably jump in at three. I think that'd be quite fun. But otherwise, I think, to be honest, even though it is a shot for as big a screen as possible, I think it works great for me at home. So I'm going to go for it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you got a better TV it's than not, me. It's not particularly fancy. It's just, I think it works great for me at, yeah, at home. I think the soundscape and I think on, as much as the the big set pieces, it's the character beats, even like the escape from the prison at the start. The funny bits, but Ethan's like trying to <laughs> open this door and winding up between him and Simon Pegg. Those are the bits that kind of really drive me through. So you don't need a big screen for that. But I think watching with a bunch of people like Prince Charles would be quite fun. Mm-hmm. I'll go for five. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> engagement score. Daryl. Right. So I'm going to give it a five. I, I just fuck it i yeah that's straight up uh, if i if this is on if this was on a regular telly and I, I i just caught even the first 10 minutes of this i am i'm what well, doesn't matter what i was doing that's it i'm gonna be watching this this is one of those like chicken soup of a films you know that that just it, if i'm feeling a bit rubbish it'll go on and i'll be glued to it you know it's 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 one that i yeah of all of them, you know, of the six that are there, uh, this is one I'll go back to. In the same way that there's a whole bunch of, like, you know, MCU films or whatever there, if I just need to just put my brain in something for for two hours, then then mm. it's just, it's great for that. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm never once, you know, looking at my phone or my, my watch during this. There's always something in there. And I think, yeah, I think it's a bit of a hangover from the Abrams one prior to this is this, that, that kind of again, grab you by the cuffs and pull you through to the finish line. And uh, I think that's what the, the later films then uh, benefit from as well. But this one, this is, this, this is, this is the, this is the Mac daddy for me. Uh, Matt. Mm, yeah, I'll go high. I'm going to go about 4.7 here. I think, um, I think three is still my personal favorite. So I think if this was my favorite of the series, oh, really? I'd just okay. go full five. Okay. Yeah. Three, Especially having not seen it in a while and having now seen it about three hours ago. Um, like what that does, what it sets out to do from the very start and pulls you through, I think is just incredible. And it almost feels low key compared to the some of the later ones. Like it is a, the, the, the personal story and, you know, the lack of kind of big kind of real set piece thing. I think it's all the little bits that come through are so strong and so motivated by um, everything going on and the characters there. I, I really love it. So yeah i mean still incredibly high i think this is one of the best of the series and anyone who's into it will love it so yeah four point what did i say eight four point seven uh yeah go four point eight <laughs> you know i was thinking like oh is it like a four point seven or like a four point eight i'm like you know what <laughs> fuck it it's a five right it is it's so entertaining and like even through like the the kind of like the talky bits the bits where there's no action you know you still kind of want to know what's going on because it's like well it's mission impossible so you know there's going to be some things happening that are going to switch and you're going to have to pay attention or you're not going to know what's going on in the next five minutes so yeah a five i'm going to go for a four because i I think i i'd kind of just zone out in between the 
when it, when it's talky bits, I kind of zone out. It's <laughs> incidental. Uh, and when it's a set pieces, I you know reengage again. So it's like it's, I go to Twitter, uh, sit around there, and then wait for him to hang off the side of the bird's cleat, <laughs> and then I wait for him to jump into a BMW and throw himself off the side of some random garage, which I still don't understand the physics and logistics <laughs> of. But. Completely forgot about that bit. I was like, what? <laughs> He's oh, dead. What? <laughs> Yeah, so four. I'm going to go four. And that gives us an overall score of 4.53750, which is super high. Super high. Cool. That's pretty good. Uh, so we head to Twitter, guys. Do you follow everyone on Twitter? Everyone is listening. Uh, we are at FlixWatcherPod. And follow us because we do put out a little tweet with a little gif uh, saying we're things like this. We're reviewing Ghost Protocol with some double deep and at Matt Brothers 2 from Is Paul Dano OK, which is their podcast. And ask for a little review and the score out of five stars we had one today from some chancer <laughs> called liam h dempsey <sighs> liam h dempsey what does he I say know, right who's that and guy uh, liam uh, h dempsey says burj khalifa is the best mission impossible set piece and all the action is incredibly impressive but the dialogue scenes between the action really drag for me in this uh, maybe it was the misguided attempt to set renner up as someone who could take over the franchise never gonna happen 3.5 stars oh lower than a, lower than we've shown here but mm. hey you know it's one of those things where i just like to kind of like with, I'm going to have to ask Liam now what, what his franchise order is because I like you could tell me that you know two's your favourite and your order is what and I'd just be like yeah it doesn't matter I, I really dig them all for completely different reasons whether it's because they're attempting to be like you know a cold it's a Brian De Palma like Cold War espionage film with the first one or it's like a Again, it's it's you know like <laughs> running on a motorbike with electric guitar in your hands and and your and your Oakleys on wiggly wiggly wow of of two and your mullet and your mullet or like <laughs> or whatever it is. There's there's something in these that's that you know is is for 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 everyone. Um, guys, can you let us where we can find you online and we'll say goodbye to everyone who's listening. Uh, yeah, so you can find Is Paul Dano OK on Twitter and Instagram at Is Paul Dano OK. Um, we will have season two this July, uh, another run of eight episodes and two bonuses that will take us through to sort of the end of August. So that's all That's all coming up. We're all very excited. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production <laughs> <laughs>